What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl, Stephanie Hardy. If this is your first time listening to the Hardy Wrestling Podcast, thank you for joining the ride. And I hope that you continue on this journey with me. And if this isn't your first time listening to the show, thank you for being consistent and for being a fan of my show because I greatly appreciate it. So, of course, I got your news and gossipish, and there's a lot going on because it's two weeks away from WrestleMania. And I've got a Women's History Month um, highlight of Naomi me and it's the last one because march is wrapping up so there we go with that and i got your weekly recap of your favorite wrestling shows raw nxt and smackdown so sit back relax and catch the vibe this is the hardy wrestling podcast Right, so in news and gossipish, there's a whole lot going on, but we're gonna start with the announcements of Kane and the Great Khali as the new inductees for the 2021 class in WWE Hall of Fame. Kane was given the news on WWE's The Bump Show by The Undertaker, who is his brother in arms. You know, together they had that tag team called the Brothers of Destruction, and they were both aligned with Paul Bearer, who was their manager, you know, and he was an unchecker was the one who to give Kane that news and he felt very emotional about it and he was really happy um with the news and to a lot of people you know it was you know cool that he was getting inducted but a lot of people were also surprised I know I was generally genuinely surprised myself because I thought for sure that the undertaker would probably go in before Kane would um simply because of the fact that the undertaker is like you know he kind of looms a little bit larger Um, in terms of star power and also in terms of him being with the company as long as he has and only now just retiring but I guess they want to wait and do the Undertaker's um, Hall of Fame induction um, possibly when there is an audience um, which we'll talk more about a little bit later but congratulations to Kane for being inducted into the Hall of Fame so I'm going to discuss some of his um, accomplishments he um started with the storyline that his family or that he um perished in a fire in the family's funeral home but then he emerged from hellfire to haunt his brother in 1997 infamously tearing the door off of the hell in the cell cage to confront the undertaker and to settle their score they clash in just about every conceivable match including an inferno match and um they even participated in a buried alive match which I which one of those actually one of those matches I thought was really cool so it was um amazing 
And he went on to be in a tag team with um, Rob Van Dam, which was actually really, you know, hysterical. If you kind of remember that from like the early 2000s. And he even had a tag team with Daniel Bryan as Team Hell No. Um, But as he sort of continued to, he's also captured the World Heavyweight Championship, the WWE Championship, the ECW title, the Intercontinental title. And then he also won 2010 Money in the Bank ladder match. So he's done a lot in WWE and now he's gone on to become a mayor in um, Tennessee. So we say congratulations to him and also congratulations to the great Kali. And he was surprised by the news um, of his induction into the Hall of Fame by his brother and former manager, Ranjan Singh. Forgive me if I messed up that um, name in an exclusive edition of WWE now in India. And to list some of his accomplishments, he's seven foot, um, he's seven foot tall. Um, and he made his debut in 2006, standing toe to toe with The Undertaker and bulldozing him, which was really rare at that time. And he went on to battle many of the most legendary superstars in WWE, including John Cena, Batista, Shawn Michaels um, and Kane. And his greatest success would come um, in 2007 on SmackDown when he outlasted 19 of SmackDown's top superstars and eliminating Batista and Kane to win the World Heavyweight Championship. And he had a little bit of fun with his um, Punjabi Playboy um, persona that he had. And he would also come out there dancing with Natalia as a valet. And he also went on to become a national hero in India and a star of um, different movies and stuff like MacGruber, Get Smart, and The Longest Yard. And he's also opened up a wrestling school in India to help get the next generation of Indian superstars ready for their ring. So he's going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame this year along with Kane and so many others along with the 2020 class from last year as well. So we say congratulations to Kane and the great Kali. Also, in terms of the Hall of Fame induction, um, Batista surprisingly, you know, opted out of his induction um, because he was supposed to be inducted last year, but he opted out um, this year um, in terms of wanting a larger audience. And this is what one of the articles I found said. It said that WWE originally announced Batista for the 2020 Hall of Fame class, but last year's ceremony was nixed due to the pandemic. Then it was announced that this year's class and the 2021 class will be inducted together. But Batista was removed from the listing this past week and the Hall of Fame logo was pulled from his WWE roster page. And it was reported a few days ago that WWE wanted to save Batista's induction for a future induction ceremony where fans could be in the crowd. And Batista went on to confirm this on social media by saying to the WWE Universe, Unfortunately, due to previous obligations, I am unable to be a part of the WWE Hall of Fame this year. By my request, they have agreed to induct me at a future ceremony where I'll be able to properly thank the fans and people who made my career possible. Hashtag dream chaser. So I can't really fault him for wanting to be inducted into the Hall of Fame with an audience because the Hall of Fame um, induction ceremony is like no other because you have the fans there that you kind of, you know, want to thank during that really big week because you have fans from all over the world coming for wrestlemania that week and the hall of fame is one of the greatest parts of that weekend so you kind of want to experience it in its totality and the pandemic really is getting in the way of that so um 
I say still congratulations to him because he still had a stellar career and there's so much that he has, you know, to offer. So here's to the day he actually does get put into the Hall of Fame. Also in the news, we have the news that Impact Wrestling will be moving back to Thursday nights. They released a commercial um, talking about how they own the night. But then one of them, one of the um, background people announced to them, this is Rich Swan. Um, who is the Impact World Champion and Deanna Perrazzo, the um, the Impact Knockouts Champion and the rest of the crew, including Eric Young and Sammy Callahan, that Impact is going to be moving to Thursday nights beginning on April 8th. So Scott Damore, the vice, the executive vice president of Impact, said that um, released a statement saying that Impact Wrestling has years of history airing on Thursdays, which was the night for high energy action packed matches starring some of the most high profile stars in pro wrestling history. Nothing is changing from that front when Impact jumps back to Thursday night. So it's going to be really cool. Um, I've actually been watching a little bit of impact here and there since I've heard so many people talk about, you know, how much diversity they have in terms of their champions. So I've been trying to check it out a little bit more, you know, a little bit after, of course, Young Rock goes off because Young Rock comes on at seven o'clock, too, but it goes off at 730. So I've been able to catch a little bit of impact and it's really interesting. Their action is really great. I've loved seeing superstars, some superstars I've actually met um, after WWE shows when they were in WWE to go on and have great success on impact um, and watching their women's division too. Like it's really cool. So them moving to Thursdays, I guess would be a little bit um, more convenient for me because I can actually watch it from beginning to end now as opposed to flipping back and forth so and and also they've been on Thursday nights before so you know it'll be back it'll be back to familiar territory for them so that's gonna be cool also in the news there was a really strange rumor um running around online about Charlotte Flair um and what she had to she what she possibly had to do with the release of Andrade that was announced um this past weekend um during Fastlane um, there was a story that Charlotte Flair gave an ultimatum to WWE saying that she threatened to walk if they didn't give Andrade his release. And it's also being said that Ric Flair was involved and behind Charlotte 100% and that it was also speculated that she, that WWE would only re- agree to the release if Charlotte sat out of WrestleMania thinking that she would choose the event over Andrade, which she clearly didn't. Now, I do feel weird about this rumor like I said it's just a rumor um it's there's been nothing confirmed for that but there was also another rumor talking about how she was um rumored to come back tonight on well on Friday night Smackdown to try to insert herself into the Smackdown women's title picture um by possibly being finished on Raw or whatever but she announced this past week that she was sick with COVID and that she was at home recovering. So it kind of made a lot of these rumors kind of made no sense. But like I said, this is just a rumor. It's not, it may or may not be true. I don't know, but I do wish Charlotte Flair, you know, and, and an amazing and speedy recovery because COVID is no joke. It is, it is not a laughing matter. Even as the world is opening back up, COVID is still going on. And I just, you know, want to warn people to continue to stay as safe as they possibly can from this thing, even though the world is still trying to open up and get back to normal. This thing still ain't gone. So please, you know, chill out. And like I mentioned before, in that rumor segment, Andrade was sadly announced to be released from WWE, but not sadly, because that's what he wanted. Um, 
they released a statement during Fastlane, or I believe during Raw, saying that they had the WWE had come to the terms with the release of Andrade and that we wish him the best in his future endeavors. And it was kind of something I saw coming because he hadn't, like I said in my last episode, he hadn't really been on television and he had been sort of alluding to the idea on social media that he wanted to be let go. So now that he's been let go, there's a whole world of wrestling that he could participate in, I believe after a 90 day rule or something, um, where there's a no compete clause. So I'm hoping that he decides to either go to New Japan or, you know, or maybe Impact or even AEW if he prefers. Um, and he can just do a whole lot more and just, you know, continue to be utilized as best as he possibly can. And I hope that he continues to find a place where his worth, you know, everything that he has to give as an athlete can be um, fed into and he can continue to succeed. It sucks that he was at WWE and they didn't know truly what to do with somebody of his talent creatively. Um, but I guess they exhausted as many measures as they felt they could. So here's hoping that Andrade, you know, can continue to be his best self. Um, it was a little personally devastating for me because I posted a picture on my Instagram and my Twitter, you know, thanking him for making my boyfriend smile. Like he was definitely one of my boyfriend's favorite wrestlers, you know, of the modern era. Like he really loved him. And there was this one beautiful time where um, Andrade shared one of his posts where he was wearing an Andrade t-shirt while also wearing his replica WWE title. And then there was also a beautiful moment where that he and Andrade shared at NXT Live when he was NXT champion. And he yelled out tranquilo at him and Andrade acknowledged him and said, yeah. So <laughs> they had pretty beautiful moments together. And we've seen, you know, one of the matches that he had with Rey Mysterio during the SmackDown Live era um, here in Birmingham. So it was personally pretty sad on our end, but we hope that he continues to live his best life and be the best wrestler that he can be. Also in the news, we have um, the release well basically um on ten, on the episode this past episode of AEW Dynamite Cody and Brandy Rhodes um gave a special announcement saying that TNT had ordered an unscripted television series or reality show for them called Roads to the Top and that and basically saying that the show will go inside the lives of Cody and Brandy as they navigate their growing family while building AEW's um, global wrestling empire. And it, and it was said that the episodes will last 30 minutes and it'll offer a behind the scenes look inside and outside of the ring. Um, so the co-head of scripted material for TBS, TNT and True TV, Sam Linsky, um, released a statement saying, I witnessed firsthand the passion and dedication that Cody and Brandy put into every facet of their life and know how much that plays an instrumental role in the success and expansion of AEW. Now the world will get an inside look at how they balance their personal wrestling careers, their training center, and their executive roles at AEW as they venture into one of the most intimidating chapters of life, parenthood. So, um... They also said in a statement that since the late 1960s, the Rose family has been in one spotlight or another. People think they know us this is from Cody and Brandy, but this show is the first true look behind the curtain and beyond the ring. They'll see us fail and succeed, but most importantly, they'll bet on our 
they'll see us bet on ourselves as we travel the roads to the top. So weirdly enough on social media, a lot of people were saying they felt like um, this show was kind of like their way of copying the Miz and Mrs. thing with, with the Miz and Maurice and their family. But I just don't think that's the case either. Considering Brandy has been on reality television before, it was like, one show on E that was called Wags Atlanta, where they talked about different wives and girlfriends of different sports figures. And she was on that show and it was only, it only lasted for one season. But at the same time, you know, when it comes to reality television, a lot of diehard wrestling fans, you know, kind of just crap on it a little bit because they feel like, oh, well, it's just trash television and nobody pays attention to that when that can be the furthest thing for the truth. Um, there are a lot of people who really do love reality shows or reality television and through reality TV shows, it exposes different people who may not have ever wanted to watch wrestling, you know, to a completely different thing that they never paid attention to before, like Total Divas or Total Bellas. I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people who watch those shows who probably never watched wrestling before in their lives or maybe watched it and then fell off from it, who got into that reality show and now they're into wrestling because of it. So we shouldn't just undercut it simply because it's not, you know, solely all about wrestling, you know, blah or wrestling content. Like, it's like you want stuff like you want businesses like this in terms of wrestling to branch out, you know, to other audiences, because otherwise, if they don't do that, the wrestling business won't grow. So um, it's cool that this is happening. And I wish them the best in their reality show. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to watch it because there are about 10,000 other things that I watch at a time. <laughs> but um, here's hoping that they have a successful run with their reality show. And also congratulations to them on their baby, too. You know, it's on the way. Um, there were a couple of maternity pictures I know Brandy Rhodes released, and those were really cute. So, yeah. Um, also, to end this news and gossip segment, there was a lot of drama involving Peacock, um, the streaming service that the WWE Network is supposed to be, you know, going completely all the way to, but not really. Um, and their editing problems and them editing problematic portions of WWE programming. And it's kind of rubbing some people the wrong way. There are a lot of people who really feel like, oh, well, maybe they should just leave the WWE stuff from past events alone and just keep it there for the sake of historic value. Um, but a lot of places when it comes to like when it comes to um, communications and a whole lot of business um, big business companies like that when it comes to media they don't want you know anybody to take something and then sue them for it so maybe that's the reason why they're doing that but basically there's an article released that said the wwe network in the united states moved to the peacock streaming service um last week with the plan of wwe streaming service shutting down next month and it will remain for fans in international markets but PWInsider.com first noted that fans have noticed Peacock making edits to older WWE content from various past events. And another one, and one event in particular that caught a lot of people's attention um, was WrestleMania 6, which featured Roddy Piper versus Bad News Brown that saw Piper pay himself in half blackface. And also during Survivor Series in 2005, there was a segment that featured Vince McMahon using the N-word to Booker T in a controvert in a conversational way. And um, WWE 
thought this was going to be a comedy segment and then it got backlash for it during the time and of course you know times have changed and you can't really do stuff like that now because um black twitter will rain down holy hell upon you um <laughs> including myself and since and basically you know since peacock has been removing that stuff it's just they're just doing that you know so they won't offend anyone and just because it's wrestling history doesn't mean that you know it's just supposed to stay there now i'm not sure exactly how much they're going to edit out but even brian pillman jr the son of um the late brian pillman who was um a little bit of a wrestling legend he tweeted out that he feels like all of his father's wwf promos are not making it to peacock at all so i don't know exactly what else they're gonna edit out um, but if there's something that they feel like is, you know, problematic, then I'm pretty sure they're going to cut it out. And I'm not necessarily saying that I have that much of an issue with it because, I mean, I can't really blame them because they don't want anybody to try to come at them with a lawsuit or say, oh, this was offensive and you had it still on here and blah, 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 blah. Because not just WWE fans will be watching Peacock and stuff like that. Like it might be a couple of outside people who, like I said, have never watched wrestling before, who might watch it and try to give it a chance because they have Peacock and then they see something like that. And then once they see that, they'll probably be appalled and be like, oh, my God, this was on here. And I and I didn't know. And blah, 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 blah. And, you know, they might get offended by it. I don't know. But I feel weird about Peacock as a streaming service anyway, because it's like they were sending emails saying that you know that the WWE network is going to move all the way to Peacock you know pretty soon and that the WWE network was going to be canceled but then when I hit my app on my phone I can still watch network stuff on the WWE app so I guess next month is when it's fully about to go into effect and then the network will no longer be a thing um so I just feel confused about it all but here's hoping that Peacock can get their stuff together before WrestleMania because I don't want any glitches. I don't want any of the same glitches that took place during Fastlane to take place for WrestleMania because WrestleMania is my baby, okay? And that's what I want to watch without any interruptions. <laughs> so that's the end of news and gossipish. And now we're going to go to our very last Women's History Month segment featuring Naomi. Feel the glow. Okay, so in this very last Women's History Month highlight, I want to talk about somebody who I feel like is very celebrated, but often underrated for whatever reason. And her name is Trinity Fatu, but is affectionately known by the WWE Universe as Naomi, our glow queen, our beautifully melanated, athletically gifted queen. Um, I just want to give her her flowers and talk about some of her accomplishments here. So Naomi was born on November the 30th, 1987 in Sanford, Florida. Before becoming a WWE superstar, she was a cheerleader and a dancer for the Orlando Magic NBA dance team and starred as a background dancer for former um, for rapper and former WWE collaborator Flo Rida. Um, and she danced for the Orlando Magic between the years 2007 and 2009. Um, 
the first time she said this in an interview the first time she went to a wrestling show she saw alicia fox in a tag team match and she felt represented once she saw her you know in that match and felt and basically felt compelled to start a career in wrestling even though she had felt some type of way about it because a lot of her um career aspirations were based in dance she didn't exactly know specifically what she wanted to do so once she decided to go full force head head, full head on into wrestling she was able um to do that by being inspired by watching alicia fox wrestle who is yet another superstar who i feel like doesn't get enough credit at all either but in august of 2009 she signed a contract with wwe and reported to fcw that's florida championship wrestling that was their former um Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill their former training facility before NXT existed. In June of 2010, she defeated Serena Deeb to become the first ever FCW Divas Champion. And she was also the queen of FCW a couple times as well. In August in August of 2010, she was announced as a participant in the third all-female season of the NXT game show with Kelly Kelly as her pro. And after winning multiple matches against the likes of Maxine, Layla, Michelle McCool, and Caitlyn, she wound up coming in second place to Caitlyn, and then she wound up dropping the FCW Divas Championship to AJ Lee in January of 2011. Then, a year later, in 2012, she made her main roster debut on Raw alongside Ariane Andrew, who's better known as Cameron, with Brodus Clay as the Funkadactyls. They were the girls who were always dancing with Brodus Clay because he called himself the Funkasaurus once he turned face and they would always dance with him. And so whenever I saw them dance, a part of me would wonder, I wonder if they're ever going to let them wrestle. Like this is around the time um, the women's division wasn't truly being taken as seriously as it could have been. And I was always wondering, you know, if deep down inside these girls actually did know how to wrestle outside of the fact that they were dancing. So eventually we were able to see that they um, did wrestle and they competed as a tag team against the Bella Twins a couple of times. Um, once they were attacked by them backstage one time in a SmackDown show. And they were all infamously involved in an eight-man tag team match that was scheduled for WrestleMania 29 against Team Road Scholars as Cody Rhodes and Damian Sandow and the Bella Twins. But then it was cut from the WrestleMania card um, due to time constraints and much to the chagrin of fans. Um, and a lot of people talk about that moment as one of the moments that sort of set forth people wanting the women's division to be taken more seriously because that was the only female card um female match during that entire WrestleMania and to have it cut was pretty devastating for people then in 2013 she was added to the cast of Total Divas where she's sort of been a consistent presence um on that show talking about her life as a wrestler and her struggles with her um friendships with other with the other um girls and her marriage to Jimmy Uso which I will talk about a little bit later and then she fought in a fatal four-way against Natalia, Brie Bella, and AJ Lee for the Divas title. And around this time, 
this was around the time AJ Lee had dropped her pipe bomb on, you know, basically calling the girls um, interchangeable and useless women um, who weren't able to become champion because they didn't take their athletics seriously, but they wanted to be famous. So this was around the time there was some type of fire being lit under the women in, to, in terms of trying harder to be athletes and not focusing on being, you know, just cutesy reality TV show girls in terms of television. Because at that time when Total Divas was on, it felt like the matches were only on there for them, for WWE to record them fighting in the ring so they can have stuff to fill total divas with as opposed to letting them be full-on athletes and aj lee wasn't on the show so then her and cameron would go on to abandon brodus clay after he caught an attitude um with them and basically turned heel himself and then in april 2014 she participated in the vicky guerrero divas championship invitational which was the very first time the divas title was defended at wrestlemania sadly enough um but aj lee went on to win that match and i believe in that match naomi was the one who wound up tapping out to aj lee's um black widow submission um, and then she went on to feud with Paige for the Divas title multiple times and she kept and she kept losing and falling short, which then led to her having a, an intent and in, a very intense feud with um, Cameron in which their tag team broke up. And I will never forget this. I was in school and I was watching them fight. And this was sort of like them, you know, just sort of breaking up and having arguments and stuff that they would have on Total Divas, but then also having arguments on, on, you know, Raw. And there was a point where Cameron started pointing in Naomi's face over and over again. And if you are in or if you are in the black community, you know that that is one of the most disrespectful things you can do. Don't put your finger in people's faces. And so they pushed each other and then proceeded to fight each other and punch each other like it was like a world star hip hop high school fight. It was incredible. <laughs> like I enjoyed it. I know it was probably one of the worst things to feel seen about. But considering I've seen fights like that take place almost my entire life. Well, not my entire life, but at least from high school, um, from at least just from high school, because I went to private school from like the first all the way to the eighth grade so I'm not gonna sit here and pretend with y'all but <laughs> yeah like it was just really crazy to see them fight like that then in December 2014 she got involved in a feud with Jimmy Uso her husband and The Miz because The Miz was trying to help um Naomi with her supposed singing career because of connections that he supposedly had as a star and Jimmy Uso didn't like it because The Miz was giving off very flirtatious energy and this was where my sister was still watching at the time and she said and she said the funniest quote ever while we were watching it she said you do not flirt with a black man's wife that's wrong and it was so funny because I don't think my sister understood at the time that Jimmy Uso wasn't black but that he was um Samoan but you know like if you really don't pay that much attention or if you really don't know at first glance you would think that Jimmy and his brother Jay are just you know black dudes you know or something like that but considering she really didn't know it was just one of the funniest things she ever said she was like you just don't flirt with a black man's wife and Jimmy Uso didn't take too kindly to that at all so they wound up fighting each other a whole lot and Naomi would always wind up getting in the middle of it then she went on to turn heel by attacking Paige and aligning with Tamina because at this time this was after um AJ Lee had left and retired 
And she was never truly able to win the Divas title, you know, from Nikki Bella because she sort of had a stranglehold on it ever since, you know, she was able to sort of break um, AJ Lee's record and she just sort of held it, you know, for a very long time after that point. So, and it just seemed like they were always putting Paige, you know, at the forefront in those matches because I remember Paige and Nikki Bella were feuding against each other over and over again, fighting on almost every pay-per-view at that point. It was kind of uh, irritating, but, you know, that's what they were doing at that time. And then, of course, the wonderful um, Divas Evolution started um, in July of 2015. And this is where Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, and Sasha Banks, you know, made their main roster debuts from NXT. And they formed the the teams that they had. You know, of course, Team Bella was Nikki Bree and Alicia Fox. But Team PCB was formed in the form of Paige, Charlotte, and Becky Lynch. And Naomi had her team in terms of Tamina and Sasha Banks. And their team bad was really cool. Like, I loved them. <laughs> like, I stand them so much because it was just like, they just were like these fierce black queens well, these fierce black and Samoan queens who were just didn't want to take no for an answer and be overlooked constantly because a part of the reason why I feel like Naomi turned heel was just the fact that I feel like, you know, as she was a face, um, she was consistently overlooked and she was just really tired of it, you know, and then Tamina was, you know, right next to her. But then Sasha Banks just kind of joined their cause, which sort of added a little more pizzazz to it because she had she had just came off of one of the best runs, you know, in NXT for a women's champion at that time. So it was just really wonderful how they came together. And also all the fun shenanigans they used to get into with the New Day were really cool too on Raw as well. So um, there was always that feud that they had with all the teams to see which team was better, which sort of irritated me because they sort of leaned heavily on the team thing and didn't necessarily like give so much credence to somebody feuding with Nikki Bella specifically for the title because I really wanted Sasha to feud with them or just somebody out of team bad to win the Divas title from Nikki Bella but that's that wind up not happening but I was really ready for that to happen though but I still enjoyed it for what it was then around the around the time you know all that was going on she sort of took a little bit of a break and then around July to August 2016 she was drafted to SmackDown because they started the brand split again and she established herself as a um face after her really big feud that she had once Team Bat broke up and then her and Sasha Banks kept fighting you know a whole lot and then Sasha Banks went on to do her own solo thing or whatever and then after, you know, the SmackDown draft happened, she reestablished herself with her Feel the Glow gimmick. And it was absolutely the best thing that could have happened to her at that time, because this was around the time she was finding herself athletically and she was gaining more confidence in who she was as a person. And she took this gimmick from the from the movie from the 80s movie called The Last Dragon, which was um something that was not directed by Barry Gordy I'm not I'm not sure if it was directed by Barry Gordy but it was pushed out by Barry Gordy and it was about this black guy named Bruce Leroy who you know had to tap into the glow in order to become the master you know of karate or whatever and it was just and she said that was one of her favorite movies growing up you know and then if and then of, of course if you're a black person or even if you're not a black person and you just love 80s movies you know about you know the last dragon 
And she was able, you know, to take that feel the glow thing and make all of her clothes glow in the dark. Sometimes her hair glow in the dark. Sometimes her helmets glow in the dark. And it just became something absolutely beautiful for her. And it just never stops being entertaining. And I would also argue that she has one of the best entrances in the business as well because she's dancing. You have all this energetic, her energetic theme music going on. Like, it's just amazing. And it's, and her merch is just easy to sell because it's bright colors everywhere. I mean, you can't beat bright colors um or at least not with me but and definitely not with little kids so yeah then on february 12 2017 um she went on to defeat alexa bliss for the smackdown women's title um for the first time at elimination chamber and she won her first title her first major title in her career and became the first black woman to win the smackdown women's title um but then that next tuesday she had to give up the title due to a legitimate injury um, and so she had to relinquish the title, you know, but the, she went on to win it back at that WrestleMania in her hometown of Orlando, Florida in a six pack challenge by making Alexa Bliss submit and she won it back. And um, I believe she may have been the first black woman to win um, a title at WrestleMania like that or something. I'm not exactly sure, but I think a lot of people were sort of harping on that as a really big deal. And that was really cool. I was so glad when she won it back and she was really emotional about it, too. So it was cool. And then around this time, she was feuding with Lana and Natalia for the um, SmackDown Women's title. And she wound up retaining against um, Lana. And then um, before her feud with Natalia, she actually debuted the Glow in the Dark title that matched with everything she had going on. But weirdly enough, after they debuted this Glow in the Dark title, she lost the title to, Na to um, Natalia. And she never won it back. And somehow another WWE shop never sold that glow in the dark title. And I'm mad because they sold Daniel Bryan's little recyclable title, which I mean, which is okay. But at the same time, how could you not sell the glow in the dark title? I'm pretty sure somebody would have bought it. Um, I'm not sure if I would have bought it because mind you, my goal is to have every woman's title, you know, before I leave the earth. But I feel like that was a really missed opportunity um, for them not to sell it. So she wound up losing the SmackDown Women's title to Natalia at SummerSlam that year. Then in January 2018, she competed in the first women's um, Royal Rumble um, by entering at number 20, but was ultimately eliminated by Nia Jax. And she would also go on to start doing um, tricks in the Royal Rumble, kind of like Kofi Kingston used to do. Um, but didn't do this year because he had injury or whatever, but that was one of the highlights of that would, that would become one of the highlights of the women's Royal Rumble. And then, um, for WrestleMania 34, she won the inaugural women's battle Royal, um, by eliminating Bailey. And in June, 2018, she participated in the women's money in the bank match, but ultimately lost to Alexa Bliss. And then um, in, 2000, in October 2018, she participated in a battle royal at Evolution, the first ever all-women's pay-per-view, which they should have a second one. Um, but then ultimately, Nia Jax went on to win that. And I'll never forget how Nia Jax won that. But literally, the crowd was like super behind Ember Moon winning it. And I'll never forget that. But Nia Jax wound up winning it. Um, I'm not too mad about it now, but just thinking about it back then, it's just like, whoa, like they were really behind Ember Moon. Um, but not, but Naomi did participate in that. Um, and around 2018 to January, 2019, Naomi entered a feud with Mandy Rose, um, 
over Mandy Rose being sort of like this gorgeous heel type of person and thinking that she was better than all the women in the locker room because she looked so good. And of course, Sonya Deville was by her side, sort of co-signing everything. But Mandy would go around saying, you know, you'll never look like me because I'm better than you and I'm just more gorgeous and all this other stuff. And she would flirt with Jimmy Uso to get in Naomi's head all the time. And it used to get on my nerves. And this is one of the moments where I had probably the most ratchet moment I ever had at a live event. Because I remember January of that year, they came here to Birmingham. SmackDown came here to Birmingham. And there was this segment where I think Mandy had lured Jimmy Uso to come to a hotel room. Um, which makes me feel like that hotel room was really like the Westin across the street from the BJCC. Um, people from Birmingham know. And she came in there and he came in that room and she was wearing lingerie or whatever, but she was just like, I really don't care about you like that. Like I was just trying to get in Naomi's head because I know that I'm better than her. She knows it and everyone knows it. And then Naomi came, you know, and Jimmy was like, Oh, so you think my wife, you know, knows it okay and so he walked out and then Naomi walks in with this beautiful bright yellow jumpsuit and these high heels and she takes off her high heels and her earrings and basically proceeds to beat the crap out of Mandy Rose in her lingerie and it was the most incredible thing on the planet and it was enraging me because I was looking at Mandy Rose like how dare you have the audacity to flirt with this woman's husband and I got Buck and literally yelled at Mandy Rose and called her a thought pocket on national television. Because like I said, this was Smackdown Live. So everything I was yelling out at the Titantron wound up on television. (laughs) I know because my boyfriend went back and looked it up and then you can even find it on YouTube. You can hear someone in the background yelling, thought pocket. And... (laughs) It was me because I was rooting for Naomi like super hard. And then when she started beating her butt, I started getting yelling, started started getting buck and everything. And I'm not entirely proud of that moment. But then again, you can't take it back now. So <laughs> it's over. And then she went on to start a tag team with Carmella <laughs> um, called Fabulous Glow. And they went on to try to fight for the newly minted women's tag team titles um, at Elimination Chamber. But they wound up losing to Bailey and Sasha Banks, who... um ultimately went on to win those titles for the first time and then in january 2020 she entered the royal rumble after a surgery and this was where she brought mainstream black attention to wwe because she made her um because she made that royal rumble entrance with her beautiful flowing and giant natural hair and it was just one of the coolest things i had ever seen like She came out there, you know, with this beautiful multicolored outfit and she had this beautiful flowing, bouncing natural hair. And I was just like, girl, I can't believe you're doing this right now. And I was so happy to see her and her hair looked like mine. And it was just like, this is so great. And so after it happened, um, the pictures from that moment wound up going viral And there were so many black women who saw it and was just like, oh, my God, who is she? I need to know who she is. I need her to win all the matches because she is slaying and all this other stuff. And then it went on to to have her being featured 
her Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks being featured in an article for Essence magazine. And I was just like, that was so incredible for me because I've been reading Essence magazine for years in the beauty shops and, you know, and reading it, you know, just for leisure and stuff like that. So to have both of those worlds come together just meant the world to me. So that was really cool. Even though she wound up not winning that year, it was still cool. Um, then that February, she went on to feud with a heel Bailey for the SmackDown Women's title at Super Showdown. Um, and that was a really great opportunity for her. But she ultimately wound up losing because they were on the Bailey train. And she had just turned heel like maybe a couple months ago. And everybody was like, oh my God, she's heel. But, you know, it was still a good opportunity for Naomi. And then she wound up being drafted to Monday Night Raw. Um, but she was out for a little bit dealing with um, injury and also the death of a really close friend. And then in January 2021, um, she returned at the Royal Rumble and got eliminated by Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. And then in February, she formed a tag team with Lana. And basically, she and Lana are, I guess, trying to go for the tag team titles now um, on Raw which are currently held by Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. And I hope that maybe they can win it, but you know, who knows at this point, but the future is always bright for Naomi, but I feel weird because it's just like, it always felt like she was one of the most underrated people because they don't really give her that much attention at times. It's like, they'll start off really hot with her and then they'll cool off with her, or maybe she'll have something else going on in her life that sort of gets in the way of whatever push that she might be able to get. But with everything, you know, that stood in her way, she's been able to sort of transition out of the whole divas era into the women's era with great ease. And she's been able to be a great inspiration to many women superstars, especially um, Bianca Belair, who won the Royal Rumble and embraced her and hugged her. And they had that moment in the Royal Rumble this year where they were actually helping each other stay in the match, which meant the world to me. Um, so... The skies is always the limit for Naomi. And um, also in May 2014, she released her debut single called Dance All Night because she loves to sing as well. And in her music video, she had Jimmy Uso play her love interest. And I thought that was really cute. And then, of course, they've been um, in a tag team with the mix match challenge that they used to do, which I really feel like they should bring back because that was a really cool thing. Um, that the wrestlers could do, you know, they would tag with each other and fight in matches or whatever for charity. And that was really nice. Um, and like I mentioned, she's been married to Jimmy Uso slash Jonathan Fatu since 2014, um, which makes her a part of the Anawai family um, dynasty. She um, has been voted as number seven of the Pro Wrestling Illustrated um, female 50 in 2015. And um, she was also, weirdly enough, voted for Worst Feud of 2015 with Team PCB, Team Bella, and Team Bad by the Wrestling Observer. But who really cares about it, about what they have to say anymore? So she's also won a Slammy Award for Best Dance Moves with Cameron at with the Funkadactyls in 2013. And she's won a 2018 year-end award for Most Underrated Superstar of the Year. So like I said, the future is bright for her and I just love everything that she's done. And I just feel like she's a great inspiration to end Women's History Month with. And I just wanna give a special message to all the women who listen to my show. Um, continue to be your best self and I know it can be a struggle at times because we're still dealing with so much you know sexism and misogyny and 
And then on top of that, if you're a woman of color, you're dealing with that plus racism and so many different things. And I can only imagine how tough it is if you're even of a different sexual orientation too. But please understand that your worth, you know, matters as a woman. Um, And don't let anybody steal your shine or steal your glow or whatever. And even don't even let your own self get in the way of being the best that you can be. I know I struggle with it at times. I struggle with self-esteem and anxiety and so many different things. But you can't just let, you know, the problems of life and the problems in your own struggles get in the way of you being your best self. So I just want to give that inspiring, you know, little nugget for Women's History Month as it ends. And as we go into the future, as women, as women's wrestling continues to rise with WrestleMania week coming up and with, you know, all my content creators who my female content creators who listen to this show. Thank you so much for your, you know, input and your encouragement over the past couple of months, you know, for me. And I just hope that we just continue to lift each other up and, you know, be our best selves as we move forward and continue to find our voices and take up space in this crazy world called professional wrestling. So, yeah, that's the end of that. And now we're going to go to our weekly recap. Right. So now we're going to recap Monday Night Raw. Um, so this was a Raw after Fastlane. So there was a whole lot that they had to sort of start of start tying together um, on the road to WrestleMania as it's two weeks away. So, of course, we're going to start with our girls. Um, Asuka and Peyton Royce had the first female match of the night. Um, and this came off of Peyton Royce cutting a promo on Raw Talk talking about how she feels like a lot of people overlook her talents and her knowing that she has what it takes to take on Asuka and she knows that she can, you know, fight her and she knows that she could beat her, right? So that was two weeks ago and now she's here fighting for, fight. well, not fighting for the title, but just, you know, fighting to prove herself against, you know, Asuka, the Raw Women's Champion. So... This match was actually surprisingly really good. I know a lot of people on social media weren't exactly um, impressed with it because a lot of people don't feel that Peyton Royce has that much of a um, a dog in the sort of fight of having more exposure in comparison to other people. But I will say that Peyton Royce did, you know, do a good job in this match. So, um In the early part of the match, Asuka um, took control relatively early with a shoulder tackle, but then Royce, you know, refused to stay down. And then she took Asuka down a couple of times and broke out of an arm bar. And then she even applied a leg lock, um, but it had to break once Asuka kicked her with their other leg. And then um, Peyton kept Asuka on a defense. Um, And then we returned from commercial break to see that both of the women were trying to get to their feet, you know, after laying each other out. Then Asuka hit a kick to the head and a German suplex as she started to gain momentum in the match. And then Asuka tried to apply to Asuka a lot, but somehow another Peyton Royce countered it for a two count. Then Peyton Royce hit a double stomp from the turnbuckle for another near fall. And then Peyton Royce eventually tapped out to the Asuka lock, which was kind of, you know, you could kind of predict that that was going to happen because, of course, they have to make their champion look strong head going into WrestleMania. But Peyton Royce wound up doing a really good job here. But afterward, you know, came the surprise, you know, that everybody was looking forward to. And that was Rhea Ripley 
uh, making her Raw debut um, finally after, you know, weeks of speculation of when she could come saying coming soon and all that. So she came and she came to the ring and talked about, you know, how she was ready to sort of start at the top and make an impact. And she decided to challenge Oscar for the Raw Women's title at WrestleMania. And Oscar was like, nobody is ready for Oscar, but I accept your challenge. So now at WrestleMania for the Raw Women's Championship, we have Rhea Ripley versus Oscar. And surprisingly, Charlotte, of course, she since she's been out with um, COVID, um, we wish her a speedy recovery. But at the same time, a lot of people were really predicting that it was going to be Oscar versus Charlotte uh, yet again, but she's been kept off of television and we don't know exactly, you know, what her plans are going to be headed into WrestleMania. So, um, it's going to be Oscar versus Rhea and it's going to be really cool. So I'm really excited about that. Also with the women, we had, um, a tag team match with the, um, women's tag team champions, Nia Jackson, Shanna Bays are taking on Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke for, possibly the umpteenth time but we're gonna go with it um mandy rose grabbed shanna baszler and cornered her in for some shoulder um thrusts and then she tagged in dana brooke to score a two count um and then dana brooke tried to knock naya off of the apron and then naya jacks wound up tagging into a match after that backfired and then she ran over dana brooke with a clothesline that was really sick while mandy rose chased reginald into the ring and then he did you know an acrobatic move to impress naya jacks and the distraction allowed um, Mandy Rose to hit a knee for a near fall. But then Nia Jax hit Dana Brooke with a Samoan drop for the win here. And this made me mad because it was almost like all the shenanigans with Reggie was taking all of, you know, the shine away from not just the match that was going on, but also with the guest commentators who was Lana and Naomi. And Lana and Naomi, you know, were talking about how they want to be able to challenge um, for the women's tag team titles again but somehow or another all the attention was taking off of them and what they were saying and being placed on everything that Reggie was doing and as much as I sort of like Reggie being Naya's boo thing or whatever I just really don't want him to take all the attention away from the women because it's supposed to be about them and not about him and it's just kind of annoying and then you can also see that Shayna Baszler is getting annoyed with it as well um, because she wants Naya to sort of focus on being a competitor instead of focus on being focusing on being, you know, booed up with Reginald. So, hey, that's what happened with that. And it's just it's just a shame because it's just, you know, they deserve a whole lot more than that. And also, since the women's tag team titles can be defended on all these on Raw and SmackDown now, I wonder why is it the Riot Squad haven't hasn't challenged for um, the women's tag team championships because it's just like it seems like only the raw tag teams have been you know challenging for that and the riot squad has essentially just disappeared off of television and I feel like they deserve you know more of a chance as opposed to being poo-pooed off and put towards the back for tag teams that are made up of solo stars like Nat like Natalia and um Tamina and like Lana and Naomi and like you know Mandy and Dana like it's just a little bit too much for me um, they're an actual team and they started off, even though they started off being solo competitors, you know, they started off becoming like an actual team and somehow or another, they've just been pushed to the back and that's not fair. And that makes me sad. So that's really all that happened with the women. Of course, with the stuff with Alexa Bliss, I'll get to, you know, towards the end of this raw segment, but that's pretty much all that happened with the girls. So the show started 
with Bobby Lashley versus Sheamus. And so, um, Sheamus was looking to prove himself after he suffered a loss to, um, Drew McIntyre Sunday at, um, fast lane and it was just kind of interesting how he went into trying to fight in this match you know after he you know fought in this really really rough match with with drew mcintyre they tore the house down and basically tried to tear up the thunderdome um this past sunday but sheamus was a fighter and he pushed through so props to him for that um so they locked up at the beginning of the match, Lashley and the uh, Lashley and Sheamus, and they fought for control. And neither one of them really wanted to give an inch. But once they were in the corner, Bobby Lashley beat Sheamus down. But then Sheamus fired back with a clothesline. And in a weird twist of sorts, which is something that I did address last week, Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin showed up and they tried to use a distraction tactic to attack Sheamus before the commercial break. And we returned from the commercial break to see Sheamus, you know, trying to make a comeback from that. And you could tell that MVP and Bobby Lashley were looking kind of confused as to why Shelton Benjamin and um, Cedric Alexander were out there, you know, to try to help, you know, Bobby Lashley. And it seemed like Bobby Lashley was reluctant to have their help. It was strange because usually they would be this united front being the hurt business and all and stuff like that. But since... Bobby Lashley has become the almighty WWE champion and um, Shelton and Cedric have gone on to lose their championships um, for the, the tag team gold. They haven't been a priority for MVP as a manager. And it's kind of strange. And this kind of, you know, erupted a whole lot more, you know, in the night. But let's get back to the match. Um, after Sheamus was trying to make a comeback, he put him on the apron for the 10 beats of the Bodrum before he took him down with a dive off the term, off the top turnbuckle. And then there was another distraction from Cedric Alexander, which allowed Bobby Lashley to hit a spine buster and apply the hurt lock for the submission win. And then the hurt business kept attacking Sheamus after the match until Drew McIntyre made the save, you know, for his former friend, which I thought was very interesting there because they just finished destroying each other and beating each other to a pulp. And now I guess, you know, he's still trying to be there for him. So I don't know how that's going to play out. But everything that happened, you know, with Cedric and Shelton was kind of a bit much, but at the same time, it's still interesting, so I'm going to talk more about it a little bit later. Um, then we went on to The Miz and Jeff Hardy fighting in a match. And The Miz and John Morrison came out for another for an episode of Miz TV. And The Miz was ranting about Bad Bunny. And, he was com- and they were both complaining about how Bad Bunny is on the WrestleMania poster and how they aren't. And then they played a replay of The Miz hitting Bad Bunny with a guitar before Miz and Morrison played a preview of their music video they will premiere next week and they sort of pattern it after a diss track um towards bad bunny because they were dressed up in like weird easter bunny outfits which was just in time for the season if you do you know acknowledge easter um so it's or by the time you're listening it's palm sunday but at the same time it just seems like they're going full in on this whole musicianship thing like they really have a chance in the music business and now they're gonna diss this guy who's won like umpteen grammys at this point so it's just kind of funny so jeff hardy came out you know and interrupted them you know and came out for the match and then dared the miss to fight without john morrison and ringside and then the miss agreed and then john morrison left the arena then Jeff Hardy took control early and then ran the Miz from turnbuckle to turnbuckle. 
And then after taking a series of Matt of Jeff, Jesus, Jeff Hardy's <laughs> signature moves, the Miz pushed him back into the ring post and hit his finisher for the pin. But as the Miz was celebrating, Bad Bunny came into the ring, you know, and gave him a little bit of payback by hitting him in the back with a guitar. Uh, um, and then he accepted the Miz's challenge by saying, I accept your challenge, you B-word. And I was just like, yes, Bad Bunny from a fight. And it was kind of different from the predictions because a lot of people were predicting that it was going to be Bad Bunny and Damian Priest, you know, in a tag team match with Miz and Morrison. But now it's looking like it's just going to be Bad Bunny taking them bumps or whatever. And I'm really excited to see, you know, how this is going to work because Bad Bunny really does have respect for the business, unlike some other rappers like uh, 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 Soldier Boy and other people. So it's just like now um, you have him and he and he's shown his abilities to take bumps and take guitar hits and everything. So I'm pretty sure he's going to be training, you know, to do his very best at WrestleMania. And I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be cool. But it's kind of disheartening to see my brother, Jeff Hardy, not really have a whole lot of direction you know these days because it's like it just seems like he's just been losing a whole lot and it's just weird but i don't know i just want better for us hardy kids so moving on we had a really stellar match between aj styles and kofi kingston because of course that aj styles and almost have put in a challenge towards you know kofi and xavier woods for the raw tag team titles at wrestlemania so they all came out and gave promos to sort of hype up their match before um, AJ Styles and Kingston had, you know, got together. And then they had thrown, like, the New Day are really good at throwing shade. And they threw mad shade at AJ Styles and almost by saying that they really don't have a true friendship because they don't know that much about each other. Um, they even asked AJ Styles question like what's Omos's favorite color and then he said his favorite color is red and then um, he said no actually my favorite color is mauve and it was just really funny it was like you don't know him you don't know him and it was just really funny how AJ Styles was like you know he's my best friend but he really doesn't know him like that so it's weird so after the commercial break the match got going and Kofi Kingston um, scored the first takedown with a slide headlock takeover. And then um, he kept the hold applied for a long time while AJ Styles tried to break free. Then AJ Styles couldn't get any get any, any offense in until um, they took the fight outside of the ring. And then um, AJ Styles sent Kofi Kingston into the steel steps. And then Omos prevented Xavier Woods from checking on his partner because, you know, he's big and tall. Um, but, you know, Xavier was trying to, you know, take heart and not be scared. And then we returned from another commercial break to see Kofi Kingston starting to gain some traction. And he set up for the trouble in paradise. But AJ Styles caught him with a jumping kick to the head. And then he tried to hit the phenomenal forearm. But as he was about to jump up in the air, he got distracted by Xavier Woods blowing Francesca 3.0 at this point um, <laughs> at him. And then he just got distracted by it. And then Kofi Kingston put him inside the ring and hit his SOS to get the pin while Omos was trying to deal with Xavier Woods. So I was really happy to see Kofi Kingston, you know, have this singles match against someone as established as AJ Styles and, you know, fight him. And somebody actually on Twitter posted a picture and a video of them, you know, when their encounter during the SmackDown Live era, when Kofi was fighting AJ and wanting to fight him, you know, in that gauntlet match where he was trying to prove himself um, to be a contender for the WWE Championship during Kofi Mania time. And this was kind of like, and I guess it was a little bit of a parallel of the two. So that was really cool to see. So 
yeah this was really cool and then we had um more hurt business developments with drew mcintyre versus cedric alexander and shelton benjamin um in a handicap match so drew mcintyre basically said that if shelton and cedric couldn't win this handicap match and they would have to be banned from ringside at wrestlemania but it's not necessarily like bobby lashley really needs them but you know that's i guess that was just a stipulation there now drew mcintyre started off this match strong but then shelton was able to take control for a couple of moments then drew mcintyre hit a clothesline in order to take him down then cedric alexander narrowly saved shelton benjamin from being hit with a claymore which i thought was interesting here because i felt like even though shelton is you know more of the established um and established star and veteran between the two it felt like cedric alexander was really taking drew mcintyre to the limit and i was really proud of him so after we came back from commercial break um they ran mcintyre into the barricade and then we came back from another commercial to see that drew mcintyre was fighting his way to his feet with no avail but then as he began to remain to get his composure back he started throwing his opponents around the ring you know like rag dolls and then he nailed Shelton and Cedric with two Claymore kicks for the win. So now after that point, there was a point where backstage MVP was talking to, you know, Cedric and Shelton and sort of getting into their behinds about how come they couldn't get the job done. And Bobby Lashley stormed out of nowhere with his suit on and said, since you guys can't get the job done, then I'm going to find somebody who will. And I thought that was so disheartening because... I didn't want them to just break up like that. Like, I didn't want the Hurt Business, you know, to just be, you know, sort of like the foundation for Bobby Lashley being champion. And they're just, you know, poo-pooed off, you know, for the sake of whatever. Like, I kind of wanted the Hurt Business to go in, you know, and be dominant in WrestleMania um, and have all the titles and go in and, you know, sort of take over and beat everybody. But now it's seeming like it's becoming, since since it's being like Monday Night Bobby now, since he's the WWE champion, it's like they're sort of poo-pooing the Hurt Business off except for MVP. And now that that's seemingly over for now, Bobby Lashley went backstage and asked a lot of the men who sort of been running around, you know, for the 24-7 title, that if either one of them can take out Drew McIntyre like a hitman, then he would give them an opportunity for the championship. And this is where my boyfriend said, I really feel like they should give this chance to Ricochet. And I feel like they should too because and even though there Humberto Carrillo was back there and even though we haven't seen him on television in a minute I've been watching him on Instagram he's been working out and getting bigger so I'm so I I'm guessing maybe he's trying to beef up so he can have another chance you know to improve his game in WWE and his footing but I really need for Ricochet to try to do something like that because outside of him having a random feud with um retribution and mustafa ali he hasn't really done anything of note in terms of you know the wwe and i'm being on raw and him getting beat by aj styles multiple times so i would love if ricochet got that chance or humberto Carrillo, but who knows what's going to happen with that so yeah then we had elias versus braun Strowman, and this was kind of like a throwaway thing um, it's clear that Shaman Man is just using Elias, you know, 
as a um, quasi punching bag for Braun Strowman to sort of beat up so he won't beat him up because, of course, Shane was feigning an injury um, because they couldn't fight at Fastlane. So Elias and Shane McMahon were singing a song about, you know, how Braun Strowman is stupid because apparently that's the basis of this storyline is the fact that that Shane thinks that Braun Strowman is so stupid. And it's just really weird and random, but I guess we got to give Shane something to do because he has a death wish. Um, The match began after the commercial break and then Braun Strowman started dominating, you know, Elias and talking trash to Shane McMahon. And Jackson Riker was just standing there watching him. So that was just kind of funny. Um, And then he hit a huge dropkick that sent Elias out of the ring and then he got the easy one with the power slam. And then somehow another, when he started doing his choo-choo train thing that he does when he runs around the ring, like they actually added train noises. And I was just like, huh? And somebody on Twitter, I forgot who it was. They said that their children were laughing at the train noises. And I thought that was really interesting, but I thought it was kind of unnecessary. It's like we, it's already cool enough that he runs around and tackles people. Don't add train noises. That was just kind of weird for me. But I'm pretty sure someone's child, you know, or a whole lot of children enjoyed it. But I kind of didn't. So we're just going to move on from that. Um, Then to end the show, Randy Orton decided to summon Bray Wyatt. And after the heck he went through at Fastlane with Alexa Bliss and figuring out, you know, who the fiend is and how he's evolved from being burned. um, Randy Orton came to the ring um, carrying something in a bag and he talked about how he loved burning the fiend alive but then he smelt burnt flesh again once bray wyatt had returned then randy orton vowed to be done with alexa bliss and the fiend after tonight and then of course the firefly fun house music started and then bliss came out holding a jack-in-the-box toy and after of course she wound it up and it popped out the fiend appeared and behind randy orton but did not strike him or hit him and he stood there as randy orton pulled out a gas can you know out of the bag and he threw some gas at Bray Wyatt as he stood as Bray Wyatt just kind of stood there looking at him like what are you doing like what are you doing and then as soon as Bray Wyatt took a step forward Randy Orton hit the RKO and he thought he was kind of done with it but then Alexa Bliss was like haha you're crazy um and then Alexa Bliss distracted him while Bray Wyatt got back to his feet and applied the mandible claw and then um Raw ended with a passed out Randy, Alexa Bliss, and Bray Wyatt standing side by side while she pointed to the WrestleMania sign, which basically means that Randy Orton and the newly evolved Fiend are going to fight at WrestleMania, which is something I saw coming, but I was still excited about it either way, because this new and evolved Bray Wyatt could do more damage to Randy Orton here, and I am really pumped about it. And it's giving me everything that I need from, for, from a supernatural standpoint. Um, and I know there have been a lot of mixed reviews about it, but quite honestly, it's given me everything that The Undertaker can't give me anymore because he's retired. So, yeah, and that's pretty much all that happened on Raw. So now we're going to recap NXT. Okay. 
Okay, so I was sitting with my friends one day and they asked me, Stephanie, how do you record your podcast? And I said, with the Anchor app on my phone. And they were like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, it's that simple. It is absolutely free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. And it will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from the podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's got everything you need to make a podcast in one place. They even have classes and stuff that you can listen to that will give you all kinds of good tips on what you need to do in order to make the best podcast. So if you want to do this, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. All right, so now we're going to recap NXT, which was pretty solid here. The show actually started with a women's tag team match involving the NXT Women's Champion Io Shirai and Zoe Stark, who is a newcomer, versus Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. So, um, Zoe Starks opened the match by grappling with Raquel Gonzalez. She wasn't scared. Um, and Raquel mocked the newcomer for even considering that she could match up with her. Then Io Shirai showed her own dominance against Dakota Kai, countering her best offense. Like, it was a couple of moments where I saw sort of like, where I saw Io Shirai transition out of a lot of holds that Dakota Kai was holding her in, and it was really impressive. Then, um, Zoe Starks tagged back in, and she gained a head of steam, and she sent both Dakota Kai and Raquel into the steel post outside. But then as she found herself alone against Raquel, um, she was in trouble. Then Raquel hit a big boot to send Shirai to the floor and then a single arm powerbomb on to start to win the match. And they just had a really nice, a really great showing here. It was just so much talent in the ring at that one point. And I was just really impressed with Zoe Stark yet again because she just does, you know, stellar work so, um, so far as a new competitor in NXT. Then after the match, Dakota Kai distracted Io Shirai, allowing um, Raquel to plant Io Shirai with a single arm powerbomb onto the announce table and basically assert her dominance as the number one contender. And it was also announced later on in the night that Io Shirai versus Raquel Gonzalez is going to be the main event of night one of NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver, which is huge news. Um, and it's fantastic for them that they get to main event one of the nights of that show. But I feel like this is also, you know, hopefully a chance for the main roster people to see that Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks deserve to main event night one of WrestleMania. So we'll see. So um, that was really good. Also with the women, we had a um, women's an NXT women's tag team title match between Team Black Moon, um, Ember Moon and Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart versus Aaliyah and Mercedes Martinez. And weirdly enough, um, the original tag team partner with Aaliyah was supposed to be Jesse Kamea, but she got injured in training. So Robert Stone had to go to Mar- Mercedes Martinez to sort of help her. Um, and she and he paid her off with like half of the money that he was supposed to pay her off with. And so they were sort of scraping to find whatever money that they could um, to pay her to do it. So, um, Mercedes Martinez dominated the match early, keeping Shotzi away from, um, Ember, but then, um, Robert Stone helped also distract the champions as well, but then once Ember Moon got the hot tag, um, the momentum turned around, and then Blackheart DDT'd Mercedes Martinez to set up 
Ember Moon for the Eclipse on Aaliyah to win the match here. So this was a, a relatively short match, but it was still good. You have um, Team Black Moon being able to build up more of their chemistry as a tag team. And it seems like they might have a long run with the tag titles. Nothing has been announced as of yet for who they're going to face at TakeOver Stand and Deliver. Um, but it was still a good showing for them. So that's really all that happened with the women. So now we're going to go to the dudes. I'm a dude. You're a dude. We're all dudes. No, we're not. So... <laughs> The first male match to happen was the Colossal Bronson Reed versus LA Knight. And before this, they showed a video from a local gym where Kyle O'Reilly was um, training. And it said Gracie Gym. And where he was training at, it's like Adam Cole just sort of bum-rushed himself into this gym. And got into a shouting match with him. But then, oddly enough, as he got into Kyle O'Reilly's face, Kyle O'Reilly like, took him down with like a with like a really quick takedown out of nowhere and i was just like that was the smoothest takedown i've ever seen adam cole you need to watch your back um and then they separated each other and there was a lot of curse words thrown at each other and it was really interesting so this kept going throughout the night um then roger strong offered to help kyla riley but kyla riley was not in the mood for it and he said that basically the undisputed era was done and and roger strong basically told them that you know the both of you can go to hell which was rude but you know the Undisputed Era is over. So, yeah. Then LA Knight um, came out to the ring before his match with Bronson Reed and said he wanted to make Bronson pay for ripping up his really cool blue leather jacket. So, while Bronson Reed had the power advantage relatively early in the match, LA Knight um, managed to grind him to the mat and then keep him down with a series of knees. Then Bronson Reed fought back with a body avalanche in a corner, but then LA Knight dodged with a, and hit a net breaker for a near fall. But Bronson Reed didn't stay down though. He kept going for a big for the big move, and then he finally connected with a sit out choke slam. And then the two fought on the top rope, and then Bronson knocked him down before hitting the tsunami to give Bronson Reed the win here. Then afterward, William Regal announced that 12 men, including LA Knight and Bronson Reed, would compete in a battle royal where the final six would qualify for a gauntlet match to determine who's going to be the number one contender to Johnny Gargano's NXT North American Championship at TakeOver. So after this point, of course, Johnny Gargano was complaining and he was saying, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do this? Blah, blah, blah. But William Regal is the boss man and he's not having it. So he does not care about people whining. This is what's going to happen. So hush. So um, now Johnny Gargano has to worry about who's going to qualify for this um, for this gauntlet match to see who's going to face him, you know, at stand and deliver. So whoever's going to face him, either way, it's going to be good because Johnny Takeover always, you know, delivers at takeovers. Then we had Oni Lorcan versus Karrion Cross, of course, with Scarlet. And I really love Karrion Cross's entrance. It's really cool. So, and him and Scarlet have the best chemistry. And they're like my one of my favorite wrestling couples. They're just so hot and so cute and in a weird, creepy, we're going to rule the world satanically kind of way. Um, so, yeah. Um... So it was announced um, during the week before NXT that Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan had to vacate the NXT Tag Team Championships due to injuries that Oni, that Danny Burch suffered at the hands of Karrion Cross. So Oni Lorcan demanded a match in order to get back at him, and William Regal, you know, gave it to him. And 
you can tell that Oni Lorcan really wanted to get back at Karrion Cross for it because he actually left a bunch of bruises and actually made um, freaking Karrion Cross bleed, you know, a couple of times, you know, towards the end of the match. It was crazy because he's a hard hitter. And it was just really interesting to see that happen because his hits can be so quick, but they're very, very effective. So he fought really hard and he brutalized Karrion Cross. But then, of course, Karrion you know, enjoyed the pain and he took over the action um, until Oni Lorcan made a furious comeback. Then Lorcan chopped him repeatedly, which I think is where the bleeding came from. Um, and then um, it was followed by a chop block and a running uppercut. And just when it seemed like Oni, you know, might get that full on revenge and win the match, he ran into a big boot that set up a Saito suplex followed by an elbow smash to the back of his head. And then Oni Lorcan was out cold for more than three so after that point, after, you know, Karrion won the match, um, Karrion seemed like he was sort of trying to shake off an arm injury um, after the match. But after this point, Finn Balor came out and um, showed appreciation for the malice that Finn Balor had shown. Well, I'm sorry. Um, and then he arrived and then Finn Balor arrived to make things clear that he had figured out Karrion Cross, and he called him out as uncontrollable and emotional once his anger is unleashed. And he promised to take advantage of that anger and emotion and win the match that they have at um, Stand and Deliver. So this is going to be really interesting here to see if Karrion Cross can um, channel that emotion, you know, for his greater good and wind up winning the title back that he never lost. Or if Finn Balor is just going to run through him like he's just been running through everybody else. So, yeah. Then we had Walter, the NXT UK um, champion, um, versus Drake Maverick. And something that NXT has been talking about a whole lot is they've been talking a whole lot about um, Walter's dominance as a champion because he's held the title for more than, I know, more than 400 days, I know. So... I made the tweet and the statement of saying that maybe Walter is the Bruno San Martino of our time, but nobody really answered it, you know, because I had tweeted it. But I feel like it's, you know, I feel like it's a very fair assessment to make because not that many people hold titles for that long anymore. And it's pretty rare. So the idea that he's done it, you know, is just really cool. So, yeah. Maybe he is our Bruno San Martino. Who knows? But him up against Drake Maverick wasn't going to take that long because as much as I love Drake Maverick and as much as I'm glad that he still has a job with WWE, this match was kind of a mismatch here because he's so small and he threw him across the ring and smacked him and it was over. So, um, so he powerbombed Drake Maverick to start. And then he followed up with a, with a single leg Boston Crab, which forced the referee to stop the match. Um, it was Aja. It forced Aja to stop the match as Maverick had passed out from the pain. And then afterward, Tommaso Ciampa stepped up to challenge Walter for the NXT UK Championship. And then Imperium answered the challenge by attacking Tommaso Ciampa. And then um, while they were holding him down... Walter proceeded to snatch his necklace off, who I've never seen anybody do that at all, ever, since Tommaso Ciampa started wearing that thing. And he chopped him into, he chopped him into the mat and basically slapped him in his chest. And I was telling my dad, like, once, once you get hit by Walter, it gives you a minute, like, you have to really take a minute to gather yourself and get up because 
he will smack you and your spirit will fall out of your body like it's crazy so yeah that's pretty much what happened but i am interested to see what type of challenge that Tommaso Trump is going to hold up against somebody like Walter because he's just huge so I don't know how that's going to go so then we had another great match involving Jordan Devlin the NXT Cruiserweight Champion or at least the other Cruiserweight Champion versus Kushida and Jordan Devlin of course is talking himself up before this match and saying that um, any match that he's in is a big deal without that much hype in it and he was looking to prove himself you know as the actual you know, cruiserweight champion against Santos Escobar because they're going to fight to unify the titles, you know, at TakeOver. So in the first part of the match, Jordan Devlin thought that he had the match won, you know, pretty early until he was planted on the mat with an arm drag by Kushida, um, who went right for the arm of Devlin, which is something that he likes to do. He likes to pick apart body parts and make you submit, which is something that Kushida just does really well. Um, then he missed a baseball slide that took him outside into a springboard moonsault from um, Jordan Devlin, which I thought was really impressive. But no advantage was safe with Kushida, and then he went for the hoverboard lock at multiple points of the match. But then Jordan Devlin nearly took the win off with an impressive springboard cutter. But then Legado del Fantasma arrived to distract both of the men. And then in the chaos that happened, um, Kushida nearly made Jordan Devlin tap out to the hoverboard lock. But then Jordan Devlin escaped and stacked up Kushida for a surprise three count. So after this, um, Kushida hit Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde with a somersault plancha. And then as they were fighting outside the ring, Santos Escobar entered the ring. And then, with a surprise, Shawn Michaels came out, <laughs> who is like one of my favorite um, wrestlers of all time. I love him so much. When his music hit, my heart stopped. Like, that's how much I love that man. Um, he arrived and he slid a ladder um, in between Devlin and Escobar to signal a new stipulation for their match um, for night two of TakeOver Stand and Deliver. So maybe it's going to be a ladder match for the Cruiserweight titles. And if anybody knows about breathtaking ladder matches, it's Shawn Michaels. So whatever. But then as Shawn Michaels was walking backstage, he ran into Adam Cole, who was, you know, going up to the NXT stage to sign his contract for his unsanctioned match with Kyle O'Reilly and general manager William Rico. And they had this amazing and intriguing standoff with each other. And I was just like, oh, if only Shawn Michaels wasn't retired, Shawn versus Adam Cole would snatch all of our edges and we would be bald. It would be so cool. Oh, in a perfect world. Dang it, Shawn, why you gotta be old? But it's okay. Um, <laughs> so as this segment started with Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly, William Regal was yelling at them, you know, for their disrespect of NXT with their actions, because of course, last week they wound up, you know, fighting each other and getting arrested and William Regal didn't like that. And he also didn't like how they were sort of representing NXT by being, by acting a fool, you know, <laughs> he was basically acting like the parent that comes, that comes to school once the principal has called you and told your child that, you know, and told you that your child's been acting up and basically William Regal's like bro like why I gotta come down here because y'all don't know how to act that's basically what he was doing so um he announced that he agreed that the two needed to fight each other at takeover night two and but 
William Regal admitted that since Kyler Riley was not officially cleared to wrestle, um, that NXT wouldn't be liable if he was injured any further. So after this point, Adam Cole proceeded to take down and insult Kyle O'Reilly in the worst way. And he called him selfish and disillusioned by actually considering Finn Balor to join the Undisputed Era. And he was making it seem like, you know, you, you know, this group was, wasn't about brotherhood. It was about winning championships. And he was basically making it seem like Kyle O'Reilly, you know, just became a weak link um, in the group. And it was just really sad. But then after you know, Adam Cole finished, Kyle O'Reilly, you know, made clear that um, he loved what Undisputed Era did for him and it made him a better man. Um, and he wanted to sort of make it more of a brotherhood thing as opposed to them just winning titles and just being dominant over everybody. And it was just a really passionate promo that I do definitely recommend you go back and watch because it was absolutely impassioned and beautiful between these two here. And so they both signed the contract and then they got into each other's faces, knocked over the table and started fighting each other. And in an exclusive video on WWE.com, they started breaking each other apart and then fighting each other some more. And then when, Will, and then when William Regal tried to separate them, Adam Cole pushed William Regal down and I was just like y'all gonna make William Regal come up out his suit y'all need to chill y'all doing way too much so I'm really excited to see this match like actually TakeOver and Wrestlemania both are shaping up to be pretty amazing shows so I'm really excited for that and so now we've reached the end of the NXT recap and now we're gonna recap Smackdown Right, and for our last recap, we're gonna recap SmackDown. SmackDown was pretty solid here, and there's a lot of cool stuff that jumped off here. So we're gonna start, of course, with our women. There was only one female match on SmackDown um, Friday, and that was Bianca Belair versus Natalya. Now, of course, Bianca Belair is looking to shake off the disrespect that Sasha Banks, the SmackDown Women's Champion, had bestowed upon her. She slapped her like after they lost their um women's tag team title match like and it was just like whoa and so when kayla was backstage interviewing bianca belair in the gorilla position about it um she was asking you know how come you know you didn't really do anything you know after she slapped you and bianca belair gave this really solid promo about being the better person and how her mom always taught her you know to be the better person um in situations like that because if I'm the bigger person now, then I can be the better person, you know, heading into WrestleMania. And she's, and then she proceeded to use the phrases of, you know, because that's my business. And she also said, and that's on Mary Had a Little Lamb. And it just made me feel very seen in that moment because when she said, because that's my business, it reminded me of now NAACP award winner, Tabitha Brown. And if you don't know who she is, I please recommend that you check her out because she's not only a vegan food expert, she's also, you know, she has like one of the best auntie voices I've ever heard in my life. And she's a great actress as well. So I would definitely recommend that you please check out Tabitha Brown and anything that she has going on, you know, with hair care products, you know, vegan recipes and just all around you know self-help things please check her out and then of course she said you know 
and that's on Mary Had a Little Lamb. And that's, you know, if you know or if you don't know, that's from that viral video that, you know, car salesman who was saying where the money resides. Except Bianca Belair is, of course, trying to get to where the title resides, where the title resides, where the title resides, where the title resides. So she used that opportunity to sort of beef herself up, you know, and take on Natalia and basically said that the kids might not want to watch it because it's going to be tough what she was going to do to her. And I was just like, you better be intense, girl. I love it. So Natalia came out and she, of course, had Tamina on her side um, in her corner. And then as the match got started, Sasha Banks decided to come out and get on commentary to try to get a Bianca Belair's head. So um, after she did that and she got distracted, Belair fought back, you know, in her match and everything, even though Natalia was controlling the match for most of the time. Um she but bel air proceeded to give her probably one of the greatest slaps in the entire history of forever and knocked some of sasha banks's jewelry off in the process and then she went back in the ring and delivered the kod the kiss of death to natalia for the pinfall victory and then after the match as she was celebrating sasha banks went out there took off her high heels and hit her with a backstabber and she stood tall to end the segment and this made me sad because i'm just like Bianca Belair is so fierce in the ring and she's, you know, been gaining all of this momentum as a singles competitor only to always, you know, wind up falling short to Sasha Banks in some way, shape or form. Even when she slaps her and gets back at her for disrespecting her, Sasha Banks is always made to look like, yeah, I'm the one that you need to watch out for because you're the you're the rookie and you should know better than to turn your back on me and all this other stuff. And for the first time in probably six or seven years, I want Sasha Sasha Banks to lose at WrestleMania. I said it. I threw it out there. Whatever. I want Bianca Belair to win because just because she's a rookie doesn't mean that she's not capable of having a great day. And I'm hoping that they main event night one of WrestleMania. So yeah, that was cool. Um, so there was that. And that's really all that happened with the women there. So the show actually wound up starting with Daniel Bryan um, kicking off SmackDown with a championship proposal because he is, of course, angry that he tapped out Roman Reigns, but the referee was distracted um, by Edge being the special enforcer and sort of stopping him from being able to capitalize off of that opportunity to become Universal Championship to have his spot at WrestleMania. So um, he was talking about how he wasn't headed to the main event of WrestleMania because Edge hit him across the back with a steel chair and then the referees missed the tap. And he said that he wasn't asking anyone to gift him anything, but that he's willing to earn the title um, to earn a to basically earn a shot at WrestleMania. All he asked for was a match with Roman Reigns um, on SmackDown that night. And he said he wasn't going anywhere until he got it. And so he sat down in the middle of the ring with a chair, basically occupying the ring. It was Occupy Smackdown. So then they came back from the commercial break and then Adam Pierce, you know, the head, um, the head daddy in charge, made his way into the Thunderdome and revealed that he cannot give Daniel Bryan a title opportunity tonight. And then Bryan um, immediately pitched that um, whoever faces the winner, like basically he, he pitched that um, whoever wins the match between Edge and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania on night one, um could go on to face whoever to face him like at night two or something like that but then adam pierce pointed out so basically he told adam pierce 
and Adam Pierce pointed out the unfairness of it, despite the fact that Daniel Bryan did the same thing back at Elimination Chamber, where he fought um, two matches in one night and wound up losing the Roman Reigns yet again. Then Daniel Bryan pitched that Edge versus Reigns would happen on WrestleMania night one with the winner facing him on night two. But before Adam Pearce could accept the offer, Edge made his way to the ring and grabbed the microphone and basically told Daniel Bryan that he needs to get back, get to the back of the line because he lost twice. And while and because Edge won the Royal Rumble, he was saying, look, you don't deserve the match at WrestleMania, you SOB. And then they decided to fight each other because, of course, that's disrespectful. Um, and then it gave way to Edge laying Brian out and then bashing his hip with a steel chair. And then he left staring a hole through Brian um, along the way. And Edge does have a point here because it seems like Daniel Bryan is just begging for an opportunity here simply because he's so passionate about WrestleMania and so passionate about proving himself. And what's so funny is it's just the fact that the last time Daniel Bryan had a championship match in WrestleMania, he lost. He lost the title to Kofi Kingston. And if you've had multiple chances over and over again to win the match, to win a match for the universal title, and you've come up short multiple times, then you should be able to get, you should, you need to go to the back of the line like everybody else. That's just, you know, the old timey fair wrestling way of doing things. But Daniel Bryan isn't taking no for an answer because he's like, I deserve this and blah, 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 which makes me wonder if anybody else had done this, would it be okay? No, but here we are. So this, you know, keeps going throughout the night and I'll talk more about it later. Then we had a match with Shinsuke Nakamura versus Seth Rollins. And this was after backstage where Roman Reigns ordered Paul Heyman and Jey Uso to retrieve Adam Pearce and to use force if necessary. And he's just so bossy. I love it. Um, so Shinsuke Nakamura started off the match really hot and heavy with Seth Rollins and then he was rolling, heading into the commercial break with his, you know, strong style strikes. Then after the break, Seth Rollins controlled the bout and he was working over Shinsuke a lot. And then Shinsuke fought back and delivered a sliding German suplex for two. And then he set up for the Kinshasa, but then Seth Rollins evaded it and rocked him with a springboard knee strike and added a Falcon arrow, which normally ends his matches, but Shinsuke kicked out. Then Shinsuke caught Rollins in a triangle chokehold, but then Rollins powered out and broke the hole by driving his opponent into the mat. And then he followed up with the curb stomp um, and then picked up the hard-fought victory here. And this match was really good and really solid. So after the match, Seth Rollins beat down Shinsuke Nakamura until Cesaro entered the ring with a suit and all and proceeded to fire away on Seth Rollins with a series of rights and lefts followed by a pop-up uppercut, which is so sick. And he teased the Cesaro swing, but then Rollins narrowly escaped. But then they met each other backstage at a certain point during the show. And Seth Rollins was doing a promo, but then as he was doing this promo backstage, Cesaro attacked him from behind, beat him up, and hit him with a couple of swings and said, you know, let's fight at WrestleMania. And I'm really pumped for this because even though there were some people who were like, I don't understand why they're fighting, um, why else do two amazing athletes need to fight? It's eye candy. It's WrestleMania. We deserve wrestling eye candy. Let's get it. Like, let's just watch these two people, you know, tear each other apart. I'm ex I'm excited. Then we had um, Big E and the Street Profits versus Apollo Crews, Otis, and Chad Gable. So this took another turn um, as the Intercontinental Champion Big E and Apollo Crews are seeking to sort of tear each other apart leading into their match at WrestleMania, which they definitely highly deserve. Um... So 
the Street Profits came out and I proceeded to run to the kitchen and get my Street Profits cup because I love it so much. Um, and then um, in the match, you know, in the early parts of the match, Otis and Chad Gable and Apollo Crews earned control by cutting the ring in half and isolating Montez Ford from Angelo and Biggie. Then Montez created separation and tagged the IC champion who entered the match like a bowling ball and proceeded to roll over everyone in his path with us with a strike of intensity that's just getting better and better with each week. I love Biggie. And then um, the action broke down with each competitor hitting hitting their signature offense before Apollo Crews downed Big E and pinned the champion to earn the win for his team. And of course, you can't tell him nothing now because he was like, I pinned you and I beat you. But that was in tag team stuff. Can you beat him at WrestleMania without help, Apollo? Can you? We'll see. So, yeah, that was a pretty good match. Then we had the Kevin Owens show with Sami Zayn. And this was really interesting here because I feel like they have the greatest romance in all of wrestling in terms of the modern era. And Kevin Owens wanted some answers because last week, um, since Kevin Owens turned down, you know, Sami Zayn's way of thinking in terms of his conspiracy theory, um, Sami Zayn kicked Kevin Owens while he was on commentary out of nowhere. And Kevin Owens didn't take too kindly to that. So as he attempted to introduce the, the Kevin Owens show, Sami Zayn came out and interrupted and he um, expressed regret for his actions last week where he kicked him. Um, and then he proceeded to announce a red carpet premiere of his conspiracy documentary and revealed that YouTube star Logan Paul will be on hand for the event. And this is where I really realized that I had no clue who Logan Paul was. This is no shade in him. I just had no clue who he was. And apparently when I was tweeting about it on Twitter, people were saying, you are not missing anything. It is okay. And now I found out further who he, him and his brother were. And now I understand. So, um, whatever. So Kevin Owens was saying, I don't care about your, you know, documentary and I don't care about the premiere. Um, and he basically, and Sami Zayn, you know, cut him off and began ranting until Kevin Owens told him to shut up. And he said, you, me, one-on-one at WrestleMania, yes or no. And Sami Zayn sounded like he really didn't want to do it, but then he initially agreed to it. And then Owens responded by beating him up and dropping him with a stunner. And he was stomping a mud hole in him to the point where I feel like Stone Cold Steve Austin was proud. And then he exited as Sami Zayn basically nursed his um, jaw. So now we're getting Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn at WrestleMania. And I'm not angry at it at all because I could watch those two fight all day literally i can do this all day like um captain america um they're they're just each other's soulmates when it comes to fighting it's just great so any reason for them to fight i'm down so let's go um then we had Rey mysterio versus dolph ziggler and here lately in terms of the tag team division they've been sort of pushing um Rey mysterio and dominic as a tag team along with um otis and chad gable um and of course the street profits to sort of fight Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode for the Smackdown tag titles and even though I'm a proponent of the street profits having their chance because they've been jockeying for it all this time um they have to throw everybody else in there too so whatever so um as the commercial break you know as they came back from the commercial break or whatever um I saw Dominic out there with the Eddie Guerrero shirt and that just always puts me in my feelings. So Dolph Ziggler sent Rey Mysterio crashing into the Thunderdome floor and then he powerbombed him over the guardrail. Um, 
And then when they came back from another commercial, Dolph Ziggler continued his assault on Rey Mysterio. And he and even though he kept attacking him over and over again, Rey Mysterio kept fighting back, you know, into the match, even though Dolph Ziggler cut him off, driving him face first into the canvas. Then Dolph Ziggler caught um, Rey Mysterio mid-flight with a zigzag, but then Mysterio valiantly shot his shoulder off the mat at two, much to the disbelief of um, Dolph Ziggler. And then Rey Mysterio fully recovered and delivered a 619 and a top rope splash for the win. So this was really good here, um, even though it was relatively short and I wish a part of me wishes it could have been could have been longer because the both of them are really talented people. It was still good. So I'm not necessarily sure if this means that Ray and Dominic are going to have a chance at those tag titles. But as of right now, they haven't announced um, a SmackDown tag team title match at WrestleMania. And I feel like they should because, I mean, you have the talent. It's there you know, book it. So whatever. Then we had Adam Pierce's big decision on the championship match, um, on the universal championship match involving Edge and Roman Reigns. So throughout the night, Adam Pierce was being pressured to make a decision that would favor um, either Roman, Edge, or Daniel Bryan. They all made their cases to him. But Adam Pierce made his way to the ring. Um, and then all three of the competitors, you know, made their way as well. Um, Adam Pierce ran down all the points made, you know, throughout the night, you know, as they were jockeying for the uni- for the universal title. Um, and so he concluded by announcing a triple threat match for um, the main event of WrestleMania between the champions and his top two contenders. Roman Reigns didn't like that. Um, so he confronted um, Adam Pierce while Edge and um, Daniel Bryan proceeded to beat each other up into the corner. Then Roman Reigns rocked Daniel Bryan with a Superman punch before demanding Jay Uso give him a steel chair so he could start beating people. Then Edge speared Roman Reigns and Jay Uso before unloading with steel chair shots. And there was a point where he had placed Daniel Bryan and Reigns' heads on chairs to do a concerto. Um, but Jay Uso intervened and stopped him from doing that. Then um, WWE officials, referees, and all those people hit the ring to try to stop edge from going crazy on everybody but then edge blasted and hit pat buck and jb noble with chairs before taking a seat and staring maniacally into the camera to end the show and it seems like a new version a new um rated r superstar version of edge has been unlocked because he is really pissed at the idea that he has to share his spotlight that he fought to win at the royal rumble with daniel bryan who honestly lost you know all of his chances and he and should be going to the back of the line by traditional wrestling standards he's angry about that and he's also angry because he's wanting to prove himself against roman reigns who thinks he's nothing more than just an old retired hack job so i understand edge's frustration but i still feel like the match is going to be good even though i would have preferred for it to just be edge and roman reigns spear versus spear um either way it's still going to be a good match so yeah, WrestleMania is just shaping up to be very solid outside of who's hosting and outside of other stuff. It's still going to be a good show, and I'm going to choose to focus on that. So that's pretty much all for the weekly recap, and now we're going to go to our conclusion. All right, so thank you for listening to this new episode of The Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Um... 
by the time you listen to this, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, has happened and they're beefing up WrestleMania to be this amazing thing. So as we go forth, I just sort of encourage everybody to sort of not focus a whole lot on negative things and to focus on, you know, all the reasons as to why you love wrestling, because that's something that WrestleMania has a tendency to try to, you know, It sort of helps me take stock of everything I love about wrestling and not sort of focus so much on so many negative things about it. Because I feel like we tend to do that as wrestling fans. We tend to talk so much about what we don't like. So I would just encourage you to sort of take some time to think about all the things that you love about wrestling, you know, outside of news and outside of all the craziness and the gossipish and all of the negative stuff that you see on social media and stuff. And just try to spread some positivity, you know, and talk about all the things that you love about wrestling here and just sort of prepare, you know, for what this week um for wrestlemania is going to give us we got the hall of fame we've got um nxt takeover stand and deliver and then we have wrestlemania itself so there's a lot to look forward to so let's just focus on that and just you know be kind to one another in that as well so um per usual if you want to listen to the hardy wrestling podcast you can listen to it on anchor on the anchor app that's for free you can listen to it on iHeartRadio, apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and spotify and anywhere else you get podcasts and you can also um follow the page follow um the podcast on instagram at hardy wrestling podcast and on twitter at hardy wrestle pod and also on facebook at the hardy wrestling podcast and just know that if there's any questions you have about wrestling or if there's anything that you want me to talk about on the show feel free to dm me on either one of those um social media platforms and if you want to you know if you want me to sort of be on your different projects and stuff for different podcasts or for interviews you can always message me there as well and then i also have an email address too that you can find on my instagram too so until next time this is the hardy wrestling podcast with your girl stephanie hardy um until next time Bye, y'all.